something outside. What is that? And we look forward to working 
with the Lake Quinault uh, Lodge. Uh, Gunner, you got to get up there and check that out. Uh, I know you, you're a pretty busy guy, but it's uh, quite a really neat-looking uh, showcase. Well, I'm, I'm. Uh, that's really cool because I um, now Lake Quinault is. This is where the Johnny Manson has the Sasquatch Summit. No, no, no. That's the, that's the casino. Okay. So the the lodge gotcha. is what is right along Lake, uh, Lake Quinault, and it's further north. Amazing, gotcha. amazing area. Yeah, it's a little more remote. We did some hiking out there uh, where uh, Derek Randall's and uh, some others had found uh, impressions, uh, I think, four or five years ago in uh, in an area up there. So those are also on display at Lake Quinault. But, uh, it's, you know, it's a beautiful area, and, uh, and it still gets a lot of uh, Sasquatch reports up there. In fact, most of the people we talked to over the weekend uh, don't even bat an eye when you talk about Sasquatch, and most of them believe Sasquatch is real, uh, and a lot of them have seen Sasquatch, so it's, uh, oh, it's cool. really a unique opportunity for us, yeah. Yeah, well, it's good that uh, I'm excited. Any time um, the Olympic project gets, you know, some more public exposure like that, I, I, I like when uh, we get some scientific kind of, exposure versus some of the more, you know, um, tabloid exposure that, that seems to be <laughs> the way the media likes to portray the subject. But um, that's cool that the, the uh, Olympic project uh, and, and, uh, and Cliff is part of the Olympic project. So that's, that's cool that, that uh, that group is getting some more exposure uh, in a positive light, which brings more yeah. positive light to the subject of Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our guest, to, our guest today has been a, a guest before, but uh, we love having him back. Our, it's Robert Robertson. Also, he likes to go by a legend tripper. He's been interested in the subject since he was a kid, um, and we are excited to, to talk to Robert today. Good afternoon, Hello. Robert. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing? How are you guys doing? <laughs> good. Shane, you doing okay? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Robert, for uh, Monster X listeners, can you uh, give us a little bit about uh, your background and how you became interested in in uh, the subject of Bigfoot? And I know you have a lot of other interests, but um, I've been. Uh... I got uh, I always tell people the way I got into uh bigfooting was, you know, the classic story the legend of Boggy Creek. You know, I went out, you know, when I was living in Mississippi with my parents, we went to the drive-in, went and saw it. Movie scared the crap out of me. You know, in fact, we it was a double feature. I don't even remember what the double the, the second movie was, but and then my uncle started talking about it and telling stories, but um I didn't like being scared of it. So, but then I found out there was, you know, I started reading stuff about it, and I found out, you know, it wasn't just necessarily about the Falk monster, but it was about Bigfoot. And uh, I actually started getting really intrigued with it, and it actually became something uh, of a hobby, just reading about it and stuff. And then, of course, that uh, TV show In Search Of came out, and I, I was a big fan of that. And uh, I've been, a, you know, a fan of. Uh, you know, cryptozoology ever since I read, you know, Ivan T. Sanderson books, uh, Bernard Hevelman, uh, and Lauren Coleman's books. So, and then when I retired from the military in 2003, I was actually, you know, I had the time to actually go out 
and uh, go on Bigfoot hunts. I uh, living in Florida, so I, I went on a couple of uh, BFRO trips, and then I started, uh, you know, going on my own. I took my family, and uh, a couple of years ago, I hooked up with Stacy Brown, and I've been going out with his group, Sasquatch Hunters of America. So. Oh, cool. Well, tell us tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the Legend Tripper moniker. How did that develop? Okay. <laughs> um, the way that started out is um, uh, my wife, she got into the whole uh, ghost hunting thing. And uh, I would go out with her, and, you know, I really wasn't into ghost hunting that much. I mean, I was supportive, and I went out, and I helped her set up the cameras but I, I don't know if I was really much of a believer. I haven't really seen anything. But, again, for the record, I keep an open mind. But she started coming out on my Bigfoot hunts with me, and I think it was the same thing with her. She didn't really – I'm not sure she really believed, you know, in Bigfoot and all that, but she did come out. And But she didn't want to be called a Bigfoot hunter, and I didn't want to be called a ghost hunter. So we found this term, legend tripper, and that kind of fit into the whole thing. Plus – you know, we like to. I like to look into the UFO stuff and buried treasure and just you know unexplained uh, um, places and stuff. So you know, I started uh, doing a couple things on it and I noticed um, you know an interest in it. And I I wrote, I wrote a book uh, last year published by uh, Ventures Unlimited Press called Legend Trip in the uh, the Ultimate Adventure, which is basically a guidebook on how to go look for Bigfoot and other cryptids. Uh, how to conduct a ghost hunt, how to go look, you know, do a uh, uh, investigation on UFO and UFO landings, and to explore unexplained uh, areas around the United States. Yeah, the name's the name's very uh, it's it's different. Uh, I've heard you know you got a lot of books out there. This, this led sounds almost like the Indiana Jones of of uh, sort of book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I always tell everybody that I, I don't claim to be a cryptozoologist. I'm not a ghost hunter or paranormal investigator. I'm not a UFOlogist. I'm a legend tripper because I like to go. Mm-hmm. I like to go look for all that stuff. But I do have a strong passion for you know looking for Bigfoot and cryptids, though. Yeah. Well, being in Florida, can you just talk about some of your work that you've done down in Florida? I, you know, uh, uh, I've been to, I've been to Florida. I haven't been all around Florida, but. You just talked a little bit about your work in Florida and why 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 would a Sasquatch be in in Florida possible? Well, here in Florida, of course, it's known as a skunk ape and some other name, or the swamp ape. Um, but it's been seen here uh, for uh, you know hundreds of years. The Seminoles have legends of the uh, you know the large wild man of the uh, of the swamps. Um, and it's been seen back virtually, you know, all over Florida, everything, everywhere from up in the Panhandle, over down to the Everglades, even over as far as uh, close to, you know, where NASA is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've, uh, you know, like I said, I went on some Bifro trips, but uh, the most success I've I've had is when I was with Stacy Brown's group, the uh, um, Bigfoot Hunters. Um, in fact, in September, we were out there and. Uh, we had broken into teams that one night, and I decided I wanted to go look at these area with caves. And another two guys went over to this uh, one family's house. That in fact, they the family was on that, an episode of Finding Bigfoot, where they had a handprint on their um, um, sliding glass door. 
But anyway, two of the gentlemen went down there, and I guess they were waiting for some other people to show up. And something uh, uh, struck one of the individuals' uh, Land Rover and caused the uh, car alarm to come on. So these two gentlemen started walking back up to the, the car, and all of a sudden they something screamed at them from over in the woods. And uh, one of the, uh, the guys brought the, a light up and just could make out a huge shape as it turned around and took off. And... Um, both these uh, individuals are, you know, really large, muscular guys. They're not the type of, you know, guys that get scared very easily. But mm-hmm. that night, one of them was ready to pack up and just go home. And the other one said, I, you know, I'm not going in the woods by myself anymore. Well, the next morning we went out there, and uh, we broke into groups, and Stacy and, and another gentleman ended up finding prints not too far from where the uh, where uh, uh, one of the gentlemen, heard, you know, had the scream happen. And we went out there. We we did got the casting material. Took some castings. Got some awesome prints. In fact, they were uh, these prints were seen in the uh, Bigfoot Digest. So, I mean, I mean, it's quite obvious. You know, there's been some speculation that the, you know somebody said that these animals down here are are maybe smaller, you know, down here than they are. And and at some point in time, I I I was kind of above that agreement. But now that I've, I'm compiling a lot more reports. It seems that the animal itself is just about it's the same height as the uh, the same animal that's seen over on the west coast. Mm-hmm. And all I can speculate is that maybe people are not getting a good look at it, or they in fact just seen a younger version of this animal that's out there. Yeah, that's a great point. I think uh, you know a lot of times when people think of big or skunk egg, they're always thinking of this huge, you know, this big thing, expecting based on you know the size. When in fact, there's got, if, if Sasquatch is real and and the skunk ape is real. Well, obviously there's going to be juveniles and 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 and. Uh, Robert, do you do you think that you, down there in Florida it is something different than or a little bit different sort of species than Sasquatch? Or do you think? I mean, just based on your research, uh, do you think we are dealing just with the same thing that the West Coast is dealing with, what the Northeast is dealing with? Well, again, this is my opinion and strictly right. mine own. I think we're dealing basically with the same species of animal, and the only thing different is location. And at first, if you would ask me about maybe five years ago, I probably would have said something different. But now that I'm seeing more footprints, and and, and I'm looking at them compared to the footprints found over on the West Coast, I, I'm, I believe we're dealing with the same species of animal. It's just the only thing different is, of course, location. And, of course, this animal down here is a lot more, um, I'm not going to say aquatic, but it doesn't have a problem with going into the swamps and stuff. Yeah, and that would be that would be a difference, you know. So there could be a, maybe a, a difference in, you know, variation in color, uh, in length of hair, living, you know, in that part of the country. But I, I would imagine we're probably dealing with the, the same the same entity, the same creature. <clears throat> so down there in Florida, you got these swampy areas. I mean, there's a lot of you got more than you got a lot of predators down there. <laughs> you know, it's oh, yes. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of predators down there. It, it must be pretty dang difficult to to do research in some of those areas. Well, yeah, you got to be careful. I mean, we got uh, we got you know the alligator, and uh, we've got panthers. But to be honest with you, uh, we don't have a lot of we don't have as many panthers as we used to have. Um, so, in fact, it's extremely rare. And these panthers, for the most part, you know, 
And again, I'm going off of uh, you know stories I've heard that these animals pretty much get the heck out of dodge whenever they see humans, kind of like what the uh, um, the, the skunk ape does. And we we do we do have bears, but the bears down here aren't near uh, are not as big as they are up you know in the uh, upper part of the United States. They're almost almost as a little slightly bigger than a, a large German shepherd. Uh, mm-hmm. I would compare their size to. But the alligator, um, yeah, you have to be careful going in and around there. There, you know, there's a rule of thumb here in Florida. You know, everybody, uh, every body of water has an alligator in it. So, <laughs> you guys also have to deal with uh, snakes. Uh, I mean, now and uh, I would imagine um, hogs. Well, that- I every, yeah, every time I've been out there, I've I've had uh, to deal with the uh, the snakes. Hogs are kind of rare. Um, I I do see them, and uh, things around down here. You you know you have to worry about the mama hog if she's got her babies because you know that she's very protective. But uh, you know every time I've, I've dealt with them, I've always seen them running off and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but don't, don't get me wrong. Whenever I go out there, I always take bear mace with me just as a precaution. Yeah, yeah, no, good call. What about uh, you now, Florida? What are some of the hot, hotter spots for Sasquatch signs in Florida? I mean, any area, if you're you're doing research, whether it's Solo or with Stacy, I mean, you have a, where's your go-to area, and, and, you know, as far as, you know, getting a lot of reports? Well, the area I've seen to be getting, uh, you know, my, I've had seen uh, more positive experiences. Being up there, actually near uh, Tallahassee in the Panhandle up there, near uh, Terea State Park, it seems every time I go up there and meet with a uh we get a group going on there's something happens somebody sees something and uh you know now where i'm located here in winter haven right up the road we used to have a lot of sightings in the green swamp area but there's there's been far and few between and i think it's because they've opened up a lot of more areas to hunting and i think once these animals hear these guns go off they just get the heck out of dodge um there's been a couple areas over near uh you know uh, over where nasa's at and uh, that's there's a big, huge uh, national forest. I mean, excuse me, state forest up in that area where there is no hunting allowed. So that's another area that I wanted to go. I'm, I'm looking at. Well, once I get healed up and stuff, I'm looking at going up there and checking out that area. Gotcha. Yeah. About the time of year, if you're out there in Florida, is there certain months uh, of the year that you guys get more? You guys are seeing more activity or getting more reports. Uh, actually, they they seem to come in. There doesn't really seem to be a time frame. They just kind of come in, you know. Mm-hmm. A truck driver will see one go across the street. Now, as far as us getting out there, you know, in the summertime, it's you know, with the mosquito uh, problem we have down here and the heat, it's just it's it's kind of hard to get out there and actually go camping. I mean, mm-hmm. I usually go out. We we we'll make it what they call a morning trip, where we'll go out super early in the morning walk around the area, and then by the time the sun comes up, we go ahead and you know, get back in the vehicle and turn the A.C. <laughs> on, you know. Right. But uh, usually around September is when we start planning our expeditions and start hitting the, you know, hitting the areas really hard. Mm-hmm. Pretty much year-round and whatnot. I mean, there's possibility that Sasquatch uh, migrates, or do you think they, they're in some of these areas just year-round? I would say now again, I'm going to probably I've, probably that's the third time I've said that this is my theory because I've always believed the animal is, uh, you know, uh, moves around. And one mm-hmm. of the areas uh, rivers I used to think was, was the uh, Peace River here in Florida, 
But it seems that there are certain areas where the, I guess the animal does feel safe. Um, up in Terea State Park, up in that area where there's no hunting and uh, on the bridge's property, you know, again, no hunting allowed. I think, you know, if these animals, and there's a food source for them and, and a water source, I think they'll, you know, stay where they're at. But, you know, like the Green Swamp, you know, there was used to be, we used to get a lot of sightings out of there until, you know, the state government opened up more hunting. And, you know, all of a sudden we don't hardly get any sightings out there anymore. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. People going through there and, you know, Sasquatch scum paper, whatever you want to call it, packed up and left to another area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, some of these areas in Florida, uh, I mean, have you guys come across anything? Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on stick structures or bedding? I mean, have you guys come across anything that you you might you might associate uh, or at least find strange? You might associate with Sasquatch. Uh, we've uh, yeah, in fact, um, I'm trying to think how long ago we found a uh, a a, uh, a uh, structure, you know, some branches mm-hmm. that were all folded up into a, like a weird-looking structure, and we were way out there where there was, you know, no, no roads or anything. And, of course, we tried to look and see, you know, why would a human make go to such a length to make something like this? Whereas, right. you know, humans, you know, hunters just put up a, a doggone uh, uh, orange or, uh, or yellow uh, piece of rope on a tree to mark their hunting areas and stuff. I mean, this was... You know, we were just like, you know, and it, we tried to see if it, you know, it could have possibly be made, you know, by nature, the branches fell down. But, you know, the more we looked into it, it looked like something had made it. Hmm. And uh, the only thing, reason we think that it was made, it was close to a uh, a creek that maybe this animal used this, made this uh, structure in order to kind of guide it down to the creek. Mm-hmm. That's <clears throat> Out of, out of uh, I'm not sure how many reports you've taken in or, or people you've interviewed, but do you have any, uh, whether it's in Florida or not, do you have any um, any uh, encounters or tales that that, that, that you know kind of uh, stick out in your mind that uh, you could share? Well, um, one of the ones actually was in a green swamp in 2012. Uh, in fact, uh, the gentleman came in to see me where I worked, and it was in Thanksgiving morning. He was sitting on a tree stand. And uh, he was sitting on his phone, you know, he was hunting, playing on his phone, and he caught movement off to his left. And he looked up, and this is 6 o'clock in the morning, and he had a huge palmetto field in front of him. Anyway, he sees something come walking out. And at first he thought it was a guy in a ghillie suit. So he's kind of looking at it and looking at it, and he's walking. And he notices that, you know, this whatever thing is walking doesn't, isn't carrying a gun or anything. And he's looking at him more and more, and it's actually coming a little bit closer to him. And he figures, you know, it didn't quite look like a guy in a ghillie suit and stuff. Well, the thing stops in front of him, and he realizes, you know, it's probably, it might be, you know, be a skunk ape. So he takes his phone, and he starts filming it. And the thing turned around and looks right up at him. And he said a chill shot down his spine. He realized it wasn't a guy in a suit. It was a real animal. And he just kind of, the thing looked at him for, like I said, a couple seconds. And then all of a sudden it ran and he stopped filming because he didn't know if the thing was going to run at him, or, or which it, it ended up running in a whole different direction. But he stopped filming and put his hand on his gun because he thought the thing might be just going to start charging at him. Well, 
anyway, we went, he, he got a hold of me. We ended up going out there. He, you know, he showed me the tree stand, and uh, my, I, I got up. My wife got in the tree stand, and I walked out, and he said, this is where it was standing. You could see where something had come running up through it. But we, and, uh, and then, of course, when we went to where it came out onto the mud road, it had rained, uh, I don't know, maybe a day or two before it, and you could see the tracks, but they were all flooded. So mm-hmm. as best as we could, we tried to get the water out, and I tried to get some prints, but fortunately, I did get some prints, but they're not very good prints. And okay. But you could see this thing, you know, with its, uh, you know, stride that it was running, and the, just the the way this gentleman was asking, acting when I was interviewing, I really believe he had a real encounter with something. And it's mm-hmm. just, and it was funny because he called over to his uh, son and his um his dad immediately after it happened and they came running over his dad's like oh my god you know you've actually got to see it you know he goes i've been out here for 30 years and you actually get to see the darn thing you know <laughs> so and i mean and he's never wanted to go on tv and and, and get any publicity kind of you know he just i'm not looking to you know and i don't need people telling me you know i imagine things or i didn't you know i know what i saw and that you know that's all there is to it so mm-hmm. Um, and I and I, I believe the gentleman. I believe he had a real he he got a, had an encounter with an unknown primate type animal, and he said it had a very human looking face when it looked up at him. Uh, those those reports where people kind of remain anonymous and, and aren't looking for anything. I really pay attention to those reports. But did did this guy seem to get a feeling for how or did you get a feeling for how large this thing might have been? You know, based on maybe um, track measurement or just how he described it. Well, what, uh, yeah, when I went out there and I stood where it was and my wife took a picture and then we took a look at the film. Unfortunately, the film, all you can see is a figure standing out there because it's also foggy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he used his cell phone and, and, you know, cell phones are not that, you know, back then, he didn't, I mean, he didn't have a very high-grade cell phone. Mm-hmm. And um, and I compared my size with eyes and whatever it was, I would say was well over seven foot tall. Wow. That's big. And you described it having uh, somewhat of a human-like face. Did you describe anything else like the the hair color or? Yeah, he said it was dark brown, and he said he could see the muscle pattern in the thing when it stopped, and it was, and he said it was what what caught him is how graceful or how, you know, it moved through the palmettos, you know, because he said when you know a, a person or a human moves through it, it we're kind of clumsy about doing it. You know, we're not very sure-footed where this thing just kind of glided through and it stopped and he said it just started sniffing the air and then he just sat there and, you know, he said, oh, my God, is that a, you know, is that a skunk ape? And then I just turned around and looked right up at him and he said, oh, my God, you know, it, this is a real, you know, I think that, you know, that what shocked him was it, it was a real animal and not a guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, well, the thing just... You know, it didn't have a. It didn't look angry or anything. It just kind of looked at him, and then it just took off running. That's a pretty fantastic report, and uh, sounds like sounds like a very credible witness. Uh, I mean, is 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 what he described pretty common? You think for Florida, or, or I mean, is that a pretty common description? Well, you know. It said it scared him pretty good. I mean, yeah. he, he said after it ran, he wanted to get somebody else out there. He said that's why he got on the phone and called his dad and his uh, 
his his son to come out there, you know, because I mean the thing is he said it was just you know it did scare him to a certain extent, but you know, and I mean he he was a little. If he said you know his son said he was very emotional, right yeah. after it happened, you know, and he said his dad just kind of. When they got home, his dad just kind of went to his room for a little bit and just then it seemed like the next day he was really a little bit like I guess he had, you know, made some sense with it in his head. And, you know, and I've had some, you know, other people I've talked to and I've what I I, my my whole theory with that is when people see this thing. It's like we're going against, in our mind, the whole concept of there's no such thing as a boogeyman. And then we see something that we're taught that doesn't exist. All of a sudden, we're seeing it. And that, you know, causes, a, a, you know, a great emotional response inside of our head. And I've noticed, like, when I've talked to some females who I believe have seen something, they get, they, they get to a point where they actually start crying to me when they start relating the story. Yeah. Oh, I've had the same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it can be a very – I mean, you think about it. It's like seeing a space alien. You know, it's one thing having a vague – even as a Bigfooter, having a vague idea that they exist or or being reasonably assured that they exist and now not having seen one and then seeing one. It's, you know, changes your – has a uh, paradigm shift. <laughs> a little bit, so it's not surprising that you know people get that it affects people emotionally. Well, you know, going back to that incident, I was telling you what those two gentlemen had the thing scream at them, and I mean, again, I'm talking these two gentlemen I'm talking about were big, muscular guys who looked like they, you know, would were definitely not scared of anything. In fact, Josh was just one of the guys before up until then had no problem going to the woods, had no problem sitting out there in the woods by himself. And he, you know, just the look on his face when I came in that night and watched him talk about it. And Dean, the other guy, just sat in there on his lawn chair and didn't say a word. And he just said, I, I, I think I'm going to head home, guys. I, I didn't, you know. So that just, to watch those two, that that uh, incident messed with them that much. I was just like, wow. You know, yeah. for the, those two to get really shaken up the way they did, it just kind of. You know, made me kind of think like, wow, <laughs> what you know? Because I mean, I've that? seen, yeah. <laughs> and I think what happened was they, you know, this animal just didn't want them where they were supposed to be. Mm. You know, it was kind of a warning scream, like you know, get get away, you know, get away from me, thing. Well, uh, yeah, that, that's that's pretty this, common. Yeah, when something screams. Right. Uh, yeah, well, I was going to say, it sounds, you, know, you get that a lot where, where people describe something screaming at them or, or seeing a Sasquatch yelling at them. I mean, those can be, I almost say, clear these, these stories and these encounters. Robert, any, I mean, your opinion, of course, but uh, do you think Sasquatch is aggressive? And do, have you heard of any uh, reports where, where people described an aggressive Sasquatch or a skunk ape? I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? Uh, do you believe, and this is your opinion, obviously, of course, uh, do you believe Sasquatch or Skunky can be aggressive? And have you heard any reports of Sasquatch being aggressive? Well, uh, there's one story down here. Uh, it happened up in the eight, back in the 1800s where uh, uh, 
two gentlemen came down from Georgia into Florida, and uh, they had they found some prints, and then they heard something screaming, and they had a, a Native American guide with them, and the Native American guide told them, "Hey, it's the wild man in the woods, and you got to watch it because they they will do something to you if we, you know." So the next morning they got up and left, and they went back up to their village, and they told some of the people, "Well, a band of people came. Uh, they got into kind of a a group of hunters, and they came back down into the area." And the way the story goes, that the the animal, big hairy type humanoid animal, sprang from the woods and uh, attacked some of them. And supposedly, the way the story goes, they pulled he 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 pulled the head off a couple of the hunters, and they pretty much kind of, you know, they shot it and they shot it numerous times, and they end up, you know, eventually killing it. But uh, when they were trying to look at it and taking measurements, they heard some more screaming coming out in the woods and went, "Oh crap! There's more of them." And they decided just to go ahead and get the heck out of Dodge and head on back up to Georgia. And this happened, you know, back in the uh, you know late 1800s. But uh, wow. as far as modern stories go, I don't really have it. You know, there was one where it supposedly it stuck its arm into a uh, a truck driver. Um, my now my again going with my opinion. You know, I've heard stories that you know where they have been aggressive. But if you ever listen to the story, it's where they've been shot or you know. There's been some gunfire involved and stuff like that, that the animal actually just didn't, you know, out of the blue become aggressive. Something instigated the animal to to get it, you know, it was shot at or, you know, something or somebody threw something at it and stuff. So, I mean, I believe for the most part, these animals kind of try to keep to themselves. But, you know, any animal that's, you know, cornered or and, 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 and shot at is going to become aggressive. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the vast majority of reports out there that is is, is really confrontational. Uh, it's crazy people at the, for the most for the most part may be curious at times, but it is uh, the most aggressive nature is you know you'll rock or hit a tree. but I mean most reports you know don't reflect a really aggressive creature and, and you're you're right i agree robert that you know I, you know sometimes you get caught in the wrong place at the wrong time with any with any animal uh you know a bear cougar uh or, or just be you know in a bad scenario i i, I could see a sasquatch possibly being uh, a little more than just aggressive or <laughs> in a scenario like that but those reports you know uh you don't hear too many really aggressive reports it seems that sasquatch is Pretty non-confrontational and avoids you know, avoids man as much as it can. I, anyways, uh, you know that's my opinion. Of course. Um, are you Robert? Are you are you out to uh, prove the existence of? Or you, I mean, you talked about this earlier. Well, you know, you don't call yourself you're a legend tripper. That's you're you're, a, you're an investigator, I suppose. But I mean. If you had the opportunity to prove the existence of Sasquatch, would you? I mean, is it something you're actively doing? Um, I mean, I'd like to prove that they're out there. You know, I mean, I, to be honest, it's more for myself right now than it is anything mm-hmm. else. And and again, I just and I go back to that Hunter story when he said, you know, the way he's. It just sounds like if you just the way he just talks, it was like. You know, I got to see something nobody else, you know, got to see, or hardly anybody ever does. And he kind of, you know, in a way, you know, and I, I kind of want that feeling. I want to, you know, see something that nobody else has hardly seen. 
and you know to confirm that you know that they are there and just see what it is is exactly what these animals are you know we we you know we believe it is a you know a type of primate and again i i i think it is but it'd be nice to really confirm what it is or is this an offshoot of a of of uh you know uh, homo sapiens that has taken a whole different direction or is it a gigantopithecus or is it an entirely different kind of primate that you know does you know that's not even on the books you know um Am I out for the fame and fortune of it? No, I don't really. I, you know, like I said, I, I go out there with cameras and stuff, and I put um, trail cameras. And but uh, you know, as of right now, like I said, I, I would just like to see it, just for a peace of mind for myself, and just say, yeah, it is out there. You know. Well, not had a You so you had a sighting. Uh, you know. I mean, what's the most significant thing that's happened to you? Uh, obviously, you had a sighting. Um, you know, what's the most significant thing to you? And, and where do you lie with with the uh, with the skunk tape Sasquatch? I mean, do you uh, are you a hundred percent believer? Or are you a little bit skeptical that it exists? Do you lie with that? Um, yes, I do believe in it. Okay. In fact, I, I get people ask me that. You said, so do you believe in Bigfoot, UFOs, and all? And I guess bottom line, yeah, it is because I, I, I go out and look for them. Uh, do I believe there – I do believe there is a large primate-type creature that is roaming around parts of the United States to include Florida that, you know, science hasn't quite put their finger on what it is. And uh, I believe that there are, you know – I have talked to people who I firmly believe saw something that was not a bear or was not a person in a suit. And, uh, you know, I had with, uh, with Stacy uh, Brown and his group um, a number of years ago, and we were up on an area, and I had uh, – we were – it's just me, Stacy, and uh, uh, David Lauer and another, a young lady we had with us, um, and she had just done a scream. And we had like it sounded like we had a million coyotes answered us back. Well, Stacy made a comment, "Hey, I hear something over there." Well, I was holding a fleer at the time, and I, le- I looked up and I saw something, which I to be honest, at the time I thought it was a poacher because it was standing bipedal out in the middle of the uh, the palmetto field. Well, I immediately handed the fleer over to Stacy. I said, "Hey, there's something. There's something out. Some. There's someone out there standing out there." Well. When I handed it to him, whatever it was took off running, and you could hear it moving through the brush. And by the time Stacy got out, it just pretty much cleared and got into the woods. But we went out there, and you could see where what it was was standing out there and stuff. And David, who's about six foot, stood out there. And then I went and stood back where I was holding the fleer, and I could see whatever it was was a lot taller than David. So... And that whole area that we were at had a history of, of skunk ape sightings. So, you know, and I, for a while there, I was never a, a big firm believer in the whole call blasting, you know, people make screaming. Up mm-hmm. until that point where that young lady did that scream, and then we did have something. So I always tell, you know, there's certain things I didn't believe in that I, I've taken my I've taken back and I've reevaluated. So... You know, I do believe that, especially females, when they do do a, a, a scream out there, it does, you know, the big guy does seem to have a, a something for the females out there, you know, because we've had some, you know, interaction going on whenever I've had a female do a scream. But, uh, you know, whatever it was out there, and I kept saying, you know, if it was a human, 
he couldn't have made it out there without some kind of a light source, and we would have seen the light source for it coming out of there. Yeah, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, I've had this experience where, where we do get some sort of reaction possibly uh, from Sasquatch or some result that I uh, I associate possibly with Sasquatch having FEMA around. I mean, something you you, uh, you really believe that females around? Uh, yeah, it does seem to be that way. And I, I've read some stories where, the, you know, they, they've been seen watching little kids. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, there does seem to be more and more stories of them coming up. And um, like I said, out of experience, whenever I've had a, uh, a female do a scream, something has happened that night. We've got either a, a something come back or, we've, we, you know, we've heard something running in the woods in the back there. So, yeah, I mean, I do. I believe that the, these animals – you know, maybe see the female as, you know, not a, a, a threat as a, a male doing a, a, a scream, you know. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, for a long time at the beginning, I didn't really go for the whole screaming. I kind of had the whole concept. It's like, a you know, you're walking up to a cat and saying meow. The, you know, the cat looks at you funny, like, what the heck are you saying? I always thought that was pretty much the same thing, that we would make a scream out there, and the, the Bigfoot would out there would say, what are those humans trying to do, sound like us? But, you know. <laughs> Whatever I've had some females, and, and that night that, that young lady did that, and then lo and behold, I see something standing out there in the FLIR. So, you know, there, I, I take that comment back. I do think there is something to uh, to do in the, uh, the the call blasting. You you obviously work with Stacey Brown, and Stacey Brown, of course, is pretty well known for uh, the FLIR footage that – that his father and himself had 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 gotten had been to that area, and what are your thoughts on on Stacy's uh, FLIR uh, footage? Uh, well, um, when I first met Stacy, that was one of the things I asked him to do. Uh, would he take me down to the area where, you know, him and his dad were when they saw it? And he, you know, he's able to show you. He'll show you. You know, was able to show exactly what tree it was standing behind and the tree that stepped over. And again, we, me and my wife, we recreated it. And, uh, you know, I look like a little kid compared to what was actually standing back there. And, you know, talking to Stacy's dad, you know, Stacy's dad is not one of those people, is a Bigfoot hunter in any sense of the word. And I don't even know if he's 100% sure about what, what it is he saw. But whatever it was, it did rattle him pretty good when, it, when, it, when they did, he did see it in the FLIR. And uh, unless, you know, he's got an... Uh, you know, Stacy knows somebody that's eight foot tall that's extremely, uh, you know, muscular that has arms that kind of protrude down to his kneecaps. I think it's some pretty compelling evidence. And, uh, you know, that whole area, like I said, has got a history of, uh, of Bigfoot sightings in it. Yeah, the, the, it looks massive. Uh, if you look at the hands itself, you know, I know people attacked, attacked uh, you know, the player footage based on the hands, but the hands being large make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, proportion-wise, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the uh, impressions that have been discovered there that really associated with Sasquatch, I mean, usually are pretty dang large. What are your thoughts? I mean, have you given thought to the size of the hands? Well, like I said, um, you know, I mean, I believe the animal, you know, these animals are obviously, you know, being as large as they are. And, and I did 
make you know my wife in fact made a note when we she, we were look we were watching the uh, the actual flare about the hands and stuff because um, you know I, I've seen where people have put on costumes and for some reason you know you can't really see the hands all that well because you know the hands are not that big you know on, on a bigfoot costume sort of thing the hands are no, are normal person's hands whereas in the uh in his uh, flare video you can clearly see the hands and they are extremely large which again you know and you know I, you know looking at the area and where it was that he saw it i mean i if i was to fake a, a bigfoot video i wouldn't have done it put it in there i would have maybe gone <laughs> to some area you know where I've seen some of these things running in a, a field way far away. This thing actually was pretty darn close to him. It's just that the flare made it look like it was further away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, it definitely <clears> – <throat> um, I got to meet Stacey Brown a few years ago when I came to Portland. And he described, you know, the event, and he showed some extra videos that wasn't uh, – that I think was pre uh, – before they caught on a and it really made a lot of sense uh, to the whole story. It added a lot to it. Um, but have you got any reports uh, of of tree knocking or or rocks being thrown into you know at people? Have you had anything thrown at you possibly? Well, again, I'm going. Uh, no, no, I have never had anything thrown at me. Quick answer on that one. Uh, we were up at the Bridges house, uh, and uh, Mrs. Bridges. And again, this is not too far from Terea Park. And I guess Mrs. Bridges and her husband—they were the the people seen on that Finding Bigfoot episode. But we were up there, and she invited us to. We stayed in the guest house, but she made some comment that these things have been coming around, and been, and they've been seen to be hitting the side of the house. Well, anyway, woke me up at three o'clock in the morning in the house and said something just hit the side of this house. So. I got up, you know, leaned up, and I looked outside the window, but I couldn't see anything. And then I walked into the bathroom, just looking at the the bathroom um, window there, which was a little bit bigger. And, again, I didn't see anything. But the guy sitting in the next uh, uh, guest room next, Emmett, kind of poked his head and said, did you hear that? I said, what? He said, something hit the side of the house. And I said, I didn't, but my wife did. And it really – my wife, again, tries – you know, for the most part, she's – I'm not going to say a skeptic, but she's waiting to get that good. You know, she wants to see it, and she's going to refine from comment. But it, it really, she had a hard time going back to sleep that night whenever – I mean, because she said it hit the wall. I mean, it hit right outside our bedroom window. And, um, you know, she said that – and Mrs. Bridges made some comments that, you know, that the things seem to be coming around more, and, you know, they've been laying stuff on the doorstep and – uh you know, items that people thought they had lost around her property have just magically been put down in front of their uh, their front door. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's just that one, like I said, it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting, uh, the whole, I mean, one story, just to throw this out there, we were uh, on the mm-hmm. property and we, me, Emmett, and Glenn decided to set up a, a bogus uh, camp, like we were camping out there. And Stacy and David were up on a hill on the other side with a tranquilizer gun, and we had another team on the opposite side. Well, Glenn saw something poking its head up. Glenn had a uh, night vision. He saw something poking its head up in a dried-up uh, a creek bed. And I couldn't see it with my fleer. Well, next I know, we kind of stood up, and we started stepping in, and we heard something run off. 
and the other team heard it, and they started running after it. Well, it went up to uh, the Bridges' house, and then my wife texted me, and she said, hey, are you guys up around the cabin up here? Which the Bridges have a cabin that's located about 500 feet down from their uh, house. And I thought, yeah, I said, yeah, that's uh, one of our teams up there. Well, that team came back down, and I said, hey, my wife heard you guys up by the cabin. And they go, we weren't by the cabin. We went a whole different direction. We went over by that trail that takes us in the whole That's where we thought it went. I said, well, my wife heard something walking around outside the cabin. So we immediately all ran up to the cabin. You know, I got on the radio, and I said, hey, guys, my wife heard something up by the cabin. So we automatically ran up there and stuff. And she said she could hear it just going walking around outside. She thought it was one of our teams just kind of coming up there and just taking a breather. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they, I guess they, they, they. I guess whatever it is, I kind of likes my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes there goes the female thing again, once again. <laughs> yes, again. <laughs> now, you are you familiar? Several years ago, there was this um, this photo that came out of uh, what was labeled a skunk ape that looks like almost like an orangutan. Do you do you know the photo I'm talking about? Yeah, those are called the Mayaka skunk ape photos. Yes, I do. It, yes, exactly. What, what are your thoughts on that? And and I could be mistaken, but I've heard reports of that uh, Florida does have a population of um, wild uh, uh, either uh, baboons or some sort of monkey. Uh, well, okay, real quick, we have a, uh, there is a area up near Wachula where people have taken their chimps and other animals and they kind of like a, like an old folks home for monkeys, so to speak. Mm. And there has been a couple of places where, you know, during the hurricanes that some of the animals did get out, but from what I understand, it was, it was, uh, spider monkeys. Um, gotcha. now going back to the Maika skunk ape photo, the way you know the whole story is that the uh, Sarasota Police Department received this envelope with these two photos and in a letter what appeared to be a, a, an elderly lady saying that this animal has been coming into her backyard and that she left out uh, some apples or some kind of fruit for it and then when she heard it she went out there and took a couple photos and she you know she always referred to it you know as a as an orangutan or some type creature and it does. It does do a bear a, a resemblance to it, um, but it also looks a, you know a, a little somewhat different. But the, you know who's to say that this isn't an orangutan that hasn't gotten loose and just you know just say, staying out in the uh, in the swamps and stuff has just gotten all raggedy looking. Um, the only problem is you know the lady didn't leave a return address, so nobody actually knows exactly where it happened at. Um, mm. Some people you know think it's a hoax. It was just done up for somebody, you know, to make some money off it. Um, I always call, you know, I, to me, I always say the jury's still out because, you know, Maika has a, you know, has a, a, a long history of, uh, of wild man slash skunk ape slash, uh, you know, Bigfoot sightings out in that area. It's a, you know, Maika uh, uh, State Forest is a huge area out there where, you know, you know, anything can hide out there. I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, when I was living in Okeechobee, we had an incident where we had a spider monkey in our back, you know, and uh, we had to call Fish and Wildlife to come get it, but it ended up, it took off before they showed up. 
So, I mean, <laughs> as far as, you know, the orangutans and stuff, I, I, I haven't heard. I mean, I have heard the animals had, did get out during Hurricane Andrew. And mm-hmm. not all of them rounded up, but you know it is possible. But Mayek is quite a ways from, uh, you know, Miami and stuff. Yeah. Uh, as far as those photos go, you know, I always tell everybody the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. No, appreciate you. Uh, the best pieces of evidence for the existence of Sasquatch out there. I mean, uh, we do have, you know, I mean, the Patterson film. Legit and, and fantastic. Um, is that uh, is that something you you look at as a pretty solid piece of evidence? Uh, is there anything that's out in your head as you know that maybe that science should be looking at? Well, I've always you know my whole thing on the Patterson video or uh, film is I think uh, Roger and uh, Bob got lucky. I think they got you know I know they were on a Bigfoot hunt and on all that, and I, I think maybe the smell of the horses you know distracted the animal. Or the Bigfoot, and I think they got lucky, and they walked up on a uh, on a, a female Bigfoot, you know, drinking water, and she got up and walked away. And I think Roger got lucky and was able to get it on film. Uh, as far as other pieces, you know, of evidence out there, um, again, I you know, this is just me. I feel mm-hmm. Stacy's uh, thermal video is a, a you know excellent piece of uh, you know evidence. It's out there, uh, you know. Um, you know, and you know the fact that you know those tracks that we found out there. I mean, yeah. you know, I remember when we found them. I kept thinking, you know, I wonder if it's out here. And then when we found the tracks, I went, "Holy crap, it is out here!" You know, and yeah. where we found the tracks were, you know, again, if somebody's going to fake them, you don't put tracks in this location because you want somebody to find them. This was just an offshoot that we decided, or you know, that we broke into teams and just happened to go back there, and Stacy and David found these things. You know, it's not like something he had walked, you know, stumbled up on. Da, da, da. Oh, look, tracks! They yeah. went back into the thicket and they found those tracks. So, yeah. And just to look the yeah. size of those tracks, I was like, holy cow, that thing's really big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that, that there's, you know, a, a lot of positive plausible possible evidence out there uh you know where whether it's it's text or, or video here uh, and science should look at this a, a lot closer than they are as a whole or I think um truth investigators enthusiasts need to do a better job or both well again i uh you know I was talking to a fish and wildlife guy one time about it, you know, because he saw the the stuff on my vehicle, and he goes, oh, you go look for Bigfoot, huh? I said, yeah, I do and stuff. And I I looked at him. I said, I know you guys ain't allowed to kind of comment about it. He goes, no, no, we're not allowed to. And I said, but I said, do you guys get a lot of reports? And he said, yeah, we get them from time to time. And I said, well, so what's the, you know, how come you guys don't at least embrace it a little bit and say, well, you know, I guess – he said, again, this was his opinion, because no, nobody, it wasn't really written down why they don't look into it, other than, you know, there's really nothing out there. Is You know, the sightings are very few and, and far between, and for them to come on there and say, yeah, we do have a large primate wandering around the, floor, uh, the Florida swamp, it's going to cause, you know, no, not many people are, are going to want to go camping anymore. Plus, more people are going to have guns and start shooting at things that, you know, they think might be a Bigfoot. So he said that I guess until we get, you know, some really hardcore, you know, 
proof that's undeniable, we're not going to acknowledge there's anything out there. Gotcha. And do you have you ever had any um, incidents where you've you've been or felt obstructed by any park or, or anything of that nature? Uh, no, not really. I mean, one time I got, <laughs> I was, I didn't realize I was trespassing on some land one time, and I was out there, and all of a sudden a, a vehicle came out of nowhere, and it was the uh, the the game wardens, and they said, "Hey, what are you doing back here? This is, you know." And I said, "Well," and at first I didn't really want to come clean what I was doing out there, you know, <laughs> and I said, uh, "Well, I'm out here looking for something," and they go, "What are you looking for?" And I said, "Oh crap!" I said, "I'm out here looking for Bigfoot." All right, and he go, "Really?" <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm out here looking for Bigfoot. He goes, well, have you ever seen it? I said, well, no. And I, you know, you guys kind of stopped me. <laughs> I may have just, you know, and he goes, well, all right, but, you know, you're not supposed to be out here, you know. And by the way, you ain't got no guns with you, do you? I said, no, all I'm carrying with me is bear mace. He said, well, you can't be back here. This is, you know, for, you know. So I said, okay, I'll turn around and I'll go back out, you know, the way I came in. And I apologize. I didn't mean to trespass and stuff. And stuff, but that's about the only time. But that was just trespassing, right? But I've never uh, had it where I, I, you know, I felt the government was, you know, stopping me from looking into anything. I mean, that gets that gets tossed around here and there. Uh, I personally never had any sort of obstruction. I've had, in fact, I've I've actually had help, uh, uh, minimal, but you know, where where that I have searched. To uh, to that as well, you know, at least uh, not being obstructed in any way, um, and, and so I don't lean towards uh, the conspiracy part of you know Bigfoot, where people believe that uh, that uh, the government is totally aware of it and, and obstructs people from looking into it or you know there's a cover up there. I mean, I don't rule out that there are certain factions in the government that may be aware of it. Uh, you know, I don't I don't find that to be noticeable whatsoever. Um, just the obstruction part, I just I don't see it. I've never, you know, everybody that I work with, no, has not had any sort of obstruction either. So, but Rob, what are your thoughts? Uh, what's gonna What is it gonna take to prove that spot? I mean, do we? Do you think we need a body? Do you think uh, we can get uh, we can prove the existence without a uh, without a body? Oh God, I want that one question. Now, do we think we got to go kill a Bigfoot? Well, I mean, or I should say, do we? Um, I guess bottom line to make everybody happy, I guess we're going to need some kind of a specimen. You know, do I, do I believe we should go out and kill one? Well, that's, you know, he teach his own, but I, you know, if I'm not going to go out and kill a Bigfoot, that's not what I want right. to do. I just want to see it. And, you know, if we're lucky enough to come up on one that has died of, you know, you know, maybe it fell out of a tree or got hit by a vehicle or, or something or, you know, you know what, like uh, what Grover Kranz said one time, maybe a hunter thought it was something else and shot it by mistake. You know, I, I believe yeah. that, you know, our body will kind of set, you know, that way scientists know what it is out there and, you know, we can properly identify it. But again, you know, I'm not going to go out and kill a Bigfoot. And, you know, to each his own, if they want to go out and, and kill one, that's uh, that's up to them. But, you know, mm-hmm. you know, when that friend of mine, or I should say that hunter, said that it had a very human-looking face, and I, you know, and I said, did you, you know, grab your gun and point it at it and stuff? He goes, no. You know, he had no inkling on shooting at that thing because it ran away from him. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if, you know, if they had come charging at him, yelling and screaming, it may have been a different story. And then again, who am I to say? I mean, if the animal had come running, charging at me, 
uh, I may shoot at it as well, but I, then again, I would have shot at a hog or a bear or anything coming at me. But I'm not going to, you know, I, I do hope down the road that they do get a hold of a specimen and it's not, you know, because my whole thing is, you know, if they do go out and shoot one, what if this is the alpha male of the group, you know, mm-hmm. and it kind of destroys the rest of that group. But, you know, maybe we'll get lucky one of these days and we will find one that, you know, has, you know, along the side of the road or one that has died, you know, of, of some kind of natural causes or something. And, you know, and then, then we can properly, you know, l- look at over these all these other scientists say, aha, I told you they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, you mentioned uh, when when you were at the Bridges property, having that somebody had a tranquilizer gun. Was the intent to use that if you ran across the Bigfoot? Yes, Stacy and David had one. In fact, yeah, they were looking at you know Stacy and David. They're they're, they are looking to uh, to get some definitive proof. I mean, I'm not sure if they uh, if they still have the tranquilizer guns because last time I've I've been out with them last couple times, I didn't see them with it. They just seemed to have Mm -hmm. them that one time. Um, but yeah, that was that, you know, that was a goal that night was to draw one in and, you know, shoot it with a tranquilizer gun. In fact, I remember I was kind of, you know, scared to get up from where the camp was. I was scared to death. Stacy was going to shoot me in the butt with one of those by mistake. If I, you know, wandered in the woods to go, you know, go to the bathroom or something. But, uh, you know, that night, yeah. Curious, yeah, um, the, yeah. What the protocol and cause the, the, there's always been discussion about how, you would actually go, you know, determine that how much tranquilizer to use on an, un, an unknown species because too much you can kill it, not enough you don't, you, you just piss it off. So, well, I you know, Dion, all uh, to be honest with you, I don't think I really asked him too much about. I mean, I, I saw them with mm-hmm. the gun, and I did. Oh, right. that's a tranquilizer gun, but I never did ask them. Hey, how much? Uh, you know, tranquilizer do you guys have in that stuff? I mean, right. I just remember when we got down to that, our little camp, I kept thinking, man, I don't want to wander around and have one them want to, you know, have them shoot me by mistake, you know? Right. No, I wouldn't want to be shot by mistake by a tranquilizer gun either. So, but I'm just curious because that, that uh, you don't hear about people actually going out with the intent to tranquilize one. I've heard discussions before of, you know, and that's, it always comes down to, well, how would you know how much to use unless you uh, consulted with somebody that, that is mm-hmm. an expert in in the subject. So, but, um, for, like I said, I, unfortunately, I, and yeah, unfortunately, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so um, Rob, what, what, uh, a lot of in our area, a lot of the Bigfoot seem fairly vocal. If if what we're hearing is Bigfoot, and we've had quite a bit of audio stuff that you know we've actually processed through uh, using sonic equalizer, excuse me, a spectrograph to look at it, so we can determine whether or not it's it's a known animal, you know, that it falls within known animal range, or if it it and it. Basically, it gets separated into known and then interesting because, obviously, unless you see a Bigfoot um, making an audio, you know, making a vocalization, you can't say, oh, well, that was Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, to the Bigfoot in your research area, um, have you had much vocalizations and audio stuff? 
Uh, yeah, we've had some uh, nights where we heard some hoops, and we've heard you know a couple screams a couple times. I mean, one night, in fact, it was at the Bridges house. We left out a uh, a video recorder uh, that one after we had done our investigation that night. One of the gentlemen left his recorder, and we just went back to our back over to our uh, our, our base camp over at Terea. And next morning, he pulled it out, and he pulled it out, and and you can hear something grunting. First, you can hear some foxes, and then you can hear something grunting like it's walking around. And, uh, you know, it almost sounds something like, you know, like a gorilla. And um, when I was out, you know, I heard something, and I almost – I'm always reminded of the the, uh, the, the Sierra uh, calls, screams. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ron Moorhead's Sierra yes. sounds. Yeah. And I remember it, it, it wasn't exactly like that, but it reminded me of it. And I remember my son looking at me going, what the heck made that sound? That didn't sound like no bear. So, you know, I always kind of use that as my my base because I've always believed that, the you know, the, the, those, the Sierra calls are definitely, in my opinion, sound like, or, or, or I should say, are of a Bigfoot. Again, that's my, you know, my feelings on that one. And the fact that me and my son heard something very similar that night when we were out, when I went to go retrieve a trail camera, and we saw, uh, he had night vision, and we saw some eyes looking at us. And we heard something wandering through, uh, splashing around out in the, uh, in the swamps that night. Um, but uh, we've heard some whoops. In fact, when we were out in Maikon, uh a couple of weeks ago, when I was out with a couple of guys, we were walking the trails, we heard a couple of whoops, like, you know, something was out there, but it was keeping its distance from us. And I, again, I had my FLIR. I didn't see anything in the FLIR, and uh, Glenn had his uh, night vision, and we didn't see anything. But you could hear the the whoo whoo, you know. And I mean, you know, the hogs are pretty distinct out there. You know, they're the you know noise, and uh, the bears kind of have a growl, and the cat, uh, the panthers, you know, have a you know have a um, how would I describe a, a panther? Uh, kind of a um, Almost like a you know you you uh, a low line lion growl is what a, a panther sound like. Mm. So um, you know we we've had some you know some, uh, we've heard some screams a couple times out there. When we were on Terea State Park, we heard something screaming at us one night. And uh, again, it was after uh, we had a female uh, do a scream. You know, in fact, I remember after she did it, we were listening, didn't hear anything, and we were just starting to get up, and I, was, I remember reaching for my backpack, and all of a sudden we heard a scream come to our left and went, sounds like the thing's standing right over there, you know? So, yeah, we do get some vocalizations out here. Uh, we've also, you know, we're starting to look at the, fa- you know, maybe the theory that these these animals can also imitate other animals, like coyotes and owls, because we've heard some, you know, owl noises, and it didn't quite sound like an owl. But then again, you know, I'm no expert on that. And maybe it, it was, in fact, an owl. But, you know, we've heard some stories where, the, you know, the, they can imitate other animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you believe there's any sort of symbiotic relationship between, like, Sasquatch and Coyotes? I mean, do you, have you had reports where there have been uh, Sasquatch and, and Coyotes in the area or vice versa or anything of that nature? Well, um, bottom line, we have coyotes all over this place. Um, so, I mean, as far as any tie-in, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't see it. I mean, I always look at the fact that, you know, 
what are the what are the uh, why is the Bigfoot in the area? What, what's it trying to eat? You know, and you know, one of the source of foods here we have here besides the deer is the hogs. You know, but uh, up near, in fact, where the bridges live, there isn't any hogs up in that area. I don't know why, but there isn't any in there. But there is a lot of deer. Mm. So I think the animal, you know, along with, you know, eating some of the uh, the berries and stuff around the area, which we do have a large amount of uh, uh, berries, edible berries for these animals to live on, you know, I do believe it does eat off of, uh, uh, you know, deer and possibly, you know, some of the, uh, you know, fish and turtles and other animals up in this in our area or down in our area I should say. Have you guys come I'd like to see a I'd like to see a Sasquatch trying to eat an alligator. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know that if you guys tough. know the only thing about an alligator is that you can actually eat is its tail. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's it's possible uh, you know, I mean they you know, it may go after the smaller gators. I you know, I, I have True. not I have not heard any reports where they've been seen walking around with a gator under its arm, but, you know, I, I have uh, read some reports where it had a dog under its arm and stuff, but not, not, not yeah, a gator. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, that'd be something else, though. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it is a source of food. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I love eating gator tail. Right. Well, there you go. Tastes like chicken. Yes, it does, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's fine. No, I'm, I was going to ask Robert if he, he's come across feeding of deer and, and whatnot and, and sources of food. I mean, have you come across any uh, strange kills? Uh, you know, sometimes uh, you hear reports of ne- uh, deer with their necks twisted or, or, or certain body parts missing. Have you come across anything uh, like that in, in the woods? Well, uh, uh, back when I started getting getting into it, I was came up and I, and I did some, you know, trips up in the green uh, swamp. Uh, we did find, uh, you know, we did have one of the ranchers tell us that he had come up with missing some cows, and we did find, you know, the bones of one of the cows. But, you know, are we 100% sure that a poacher didn't come in here and, you know, kill it and stuff? But it just seems that, you know, the hunter, I mean, the the, uh, the rancher was pretty sure, you know, it wasn't a poacher that, you know, took the cows. And, you know, and he, when we found it, they, you know, it was scattered all over the place. But, again, you know, I, you know, we didn't find any uh, tracks or anything around that area because it was really hard and it had a lot of uh, a lot of palmettos and, and crap laying on the ground that would prevent any tracks from being made. Gotcha. When it comes to research, what what are some of the techniques that you utilize in the field? I mean, do you guys have sort of protocol, or, or do you personally? I mean, do you do, you do the the same sort of um, investigation and research uh, in the field every time, or do you guys uh, experiment? Uh, well, we've tried different, you know, different things. I mean, one night we, we set up an area where we had a, a tape of a baby crying. I remember David doing that one night. I mean, the way I, I like to do when I go out, I'd like to hit the area and, you know, depending on what time I get there, if I get there at night, I just kind of sit up my base camp and we stay there at night and we just kind of, you know, next morning we get up and walk around. We look for evidence, you know, tree branches, uh, you know, and we look for tracks and we look for, you know, areas where it look might, you know. And then, of course, I look for some areas where I can, you know, potentially set up some trail cams. But, we you know, we've had, to be honest, we've had negative luck on the trail cams. But, uh, and then that night, you know, 
we break into teams and we hit up different areas. And sometimes we'll go out to an area and we'll just sit there and just kind of listen, wait a couple hours, see anything happens. A couple of times we hit an area where we just follow a, a trail uh, and then until it leads back to camp. And, of course, if we get anything or we hear anything, we stop what we're doing, we stay there, and we just listen and, you know, get the night vision out, get the flares out and start scanning the area and in the hopes of, get, you know, something poking its head up. And, uh, you know, next morning, you know, we go back, we do a review, we talk about what we've seen a lot, and then we'll hit that area. If, you know, we have anybody that happened to hear anything, we'll go hit up that area and go look around in the daytime to see if we, you know, can find any tracks or anything of that area. Um, again, we've, I, I haven't had any, any luck with the trail cams and I'm starting to believe that, you know, some people saying that they, that they can somehow sense that they're out there. How, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've always believed that these animals, uh, senses are very acute, you know, cause it can see very well at night and it smell and maybe it's hearing it. It can pick on it somehow kind of pick up on something that these, um, these, uh, trail cameras are, are putting off or it could just smell the human smell on the on on, on the trail cams that's what i was going to ask you what kind of uh steps do you take to de you know to get rid of the human smell when you place up trail cams do you do anything i mean wipe them down or mm-hmm. well i got that uh that stuff that i bought over bass pro shop after i put it uh the trail cam up i put this camouflage uh, um army camouflage stuff that I got to wrap it around it. And then I spray it down. And I also kind of put a whole bunch of uh, Spanish moss all over it too, because that gives off a, a good smell. And, and, I, and then I just leave it out there for a couple months. I figured I also hope that, you know, after it's sitting out there, it, uh, that it's sitting out there, it's going to lose some of its, you know, the scent out there as well. And, yeah, I think that's true. It is interesting because not, you know, known animals when we, we get them on trail cams. We'll show interest in trail cams, like no notice that they're there. So it, it makes sense that, of course, they get also get captured on trail cam. So um, it it's interesting that I think we're talking about something much smarter than your average um, animal in the woods, and and why why they manage to you know rarely get captured on trail cam. Um, it's just a big mystery up in the air. You know, we don't know. Just like pretty much well, everything else about this subject. Yeah, well, I've always told people, too, when you're asking me about when you're looking for that, I said, you can't go out looking for Bigfoot, and with the same mentality, you're looking for a bear or a, a uh, or a, any other animal. These animals are extremely smart. They know what's going on. They know they, they have a, you know, they know to stay away from humans, so... You know, you may get lucky if these things make a mistake and, and give themselves away, but don't go out there and assume that they're just going to sitting out there waiting for you to come see them because they're extremely smart, and you know you have to you know treat it like you're dealing with a smart animal. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's great, great advice. I, I mean, it's, and, and it's entirely true. Uh, not dealing with a bear, uh, a, a cougar, a deer. Uh, it, or another, you know, nature. I mean, that's what it does, and it's managed to stay uh, elusive. Yeah, you got to go out with a completely uh, different mentality. But Robert, we're getting, we're kind of getting close 
to the end of the show here. Uh, but I'd like to talk a little bit about your your book, Legend Tripping, uh, and uh, you know how, how did you how did you come about you know I just that came from describe your book a little bit. Um, lucky, yeah. Um, the, the way I got the idea for it, like I said, I was calling myself a le- me and the wife legend trippers and stuff, and uh, Charlie Carlson. Yeah, an author who wrote the book Weird Florida invited me to come out to a couple of uh, his uh, presentations and talk about it. And um, I had uh, one gentleman come up to me at the end, and he said, I noticed how you kind of, your family gets involved, and you go out there camping. I said, well, you know, I've been trying to get my son to come out camping with me because he just wants to look at video games and all that other crap. I said, well, next time you want to go out camping with your son, don't sit there and say, hey, son, let's go camping. He said, son, let's go on a Bigfoot hunt. And uh, long story short, he wrote me back and said, hey, it works. You know, we, we, you know, we go out camping you know, during the daytime. We go fishing at night. We go out looking for Bigfoot. And then I told Charlie about it. He said, Rob, you know, you need to probably put all this stuff that you do and talk about on paper. So I, I did it. And uh, it, I don't know. I, I didn't know really the concept of how I was going to do it. Or, and then uh, – my publisher, David uh, Hatcher Childress, he's one of the hosts on that TV show, Ancient Aliens. He yeah. kind of said, Rob, you need to make it a guidebook. Bottom line, a guidebook, because people want to know how to go out and look for this stuff. So, you know, I started doing the whole Bigfoot thing, and I started putting some feelers. I started talking to other Bigfoot hunters. I said, here's what I got. You know, would you guys take a look at it? See some of the stuff I have. Any ideas, I, you know, you, please throw them in there. Because I, you know, I'm not gonna come off like I, I try to come off like an expert because I'm not, and I don't want to, and I want to take other ideas from other Bigfoot hunters and stuff. And my wife did the same thing with the paranormal. She put the feeler out there and showed what we wrote to other people, and then the uh, we did the whole thing about um, you know um, UFO, UF, you know UFOs and all that stuff. And I actually like the whole concept of you know UFO landings and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. I also, when I got into doing the book, it just started, it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, lo and behold, it came out. And uh, you know, I got I got a lucky with the publisher I had who was really supportive. And uh, you know, I got a really good editor who had me, who really helped put the book in it. You know, and I always I always give Lyle Blackburn credit for this because he said your book has to have a direction. Because if you go off in left field and right field, people are going to put your book down. It has to have a direction. And that's one thing my, I always love about my editor. She kept the book on a direction. And I tell you, I, I was really, really pleased with how the book came out. You know, I always tell the wife, I can die a happy man now that I, I have the, the book. The book came out the way I wanted it to, you know. And uh, I got a lot of support from a lot of outside agencies. Ripley's, believe it or not, let me put some pictures in there for free. The Roswell Museum let me use some stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, I talked to Matt Moneymaker. He let me put some stuff about Bifro in there and all that stuff. And I sat down with Cliff Bereckman, and I was talking to him about some stuff, and we were talking about footprints. And I even put a, a direct comment, which he let me put in there, that, you know, tracks are not – a representation of a foot, but the damage that a foot does to the ground. Yeah, and, I've heard uh, Cliff say that many times. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, when he told me that, I just said, "Cliff, can I please put that in my book?" He goes, "Go for it." You know, and I said, "I'll put." And in fact, I even put, you know, you know that Cliff made the comment. You know, I give full credit yeah. to him for saying yeah. that. And uh, you know, 
like I said, the book's been doing really well. Uh, actually, I found out it, you know, it was doing good in Europe, and for some reason, it was doing good in Australia. So, and my publisher hit me up on doing another one. So, I was out doing research for uh, on the skunk ape, but unfortunately, I got hurt. So, I gotta, I gotta do some healing real quick, and before I can get back out there again. But I've, you know, I've got a hold of some more sightings and stuff. I gotta go look into. I got one where a, a gentleman was uh, setting up a fishing tournament and. Uh, he had one come running out of the woods at him and stuff. I, I'm gonna, I want to go interview him, and stuff. And you know, it just, you know, it. I was really surprised how much, uh, how much stuff is going on down here in Florida about the, you know, Bigfoot. There was a lady by the name of um, Ramona, uh, Ramona Clark Hibner, who actually started the whole research here in Florida back in the 50s. In fact, she didn't even call. She would not call it the skunk cave. She referred to it as a yeti. But uh, she was braced, uh, uh, lived up in Brooksville, and I'm trying to find out what happened to all her research material, because uh, you know Lauren Coleman told me she had a, a, a whole bunch of material and a whole bunch of sightings and stuff that never got released out to the public. Wow, treasure trove. If discovered treasure trove, that would be uh, Robert. But your your book, I mean, does your book? Uh, it's it's more of an instructional book. Does it focus on Florida? Uh, how do, how does that work? How I mean, I, I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, I need to get my hands on a copy. But how do, how does uh, your book uh, flow? And what kind of uh, is, is this a book for everybody? I mean, uh, men, women, children. Uh, yes, in fact, I uh, I can say if you're <laughs> ten and above, you can read my book. Uh, is it based out of Florida? No. In fact, I made sure that the, the section on Bigfoot, I covered everything from the West Coast Bigfoot, I call it, over over to the Bigfoot, you know, or to the Falk Monster, to the, uh, you know, Bigfoot seen up in the New York area, all the way down to Florida. I made sure it was a pretty generic. And I talk about, you know, when you're, you know, I, I take basically about what you need to take out there and to be aware of, you know, some of the areas and some of the hazards, you know, like on the West coast of up in Oregon and stuff, you know, it's a lot colder than it is in Florida. So you definitely need to make sure you have snivel gear and, you know, it's a lot more hilly and stuff than it is down here in Florida. Of course, here in Florida, you know, we have to watch out for the swamps and all that stuff. And, you know, I just try to, you know, give people just things to, to think about when they're out there and, I mean, I, I've ha- I've been out on one expedition where I had these, I, I, I t- call them California boys, but I'm not even really sure they're from California. But they didn't brought, bring anything out with them on this Bigfoot hunt. They were going to rough it. They wanted to do like Survivor Man and just rough it. And uh, <laughs> I remember them trying to start a fire. They had all these big logs with a big lighter. And I was sitting there walking. I walked up on them. I said, what are you guys doing? They go, dude, we're starting a fire, man. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I just sat there and watched for a couple minutes. And then the guys go, dude, this is not going to lie. And I said, well, you guys are doing it wrong. And I said, here, let me show you. And I did the whole thing with the little twigs and, the, uh, you know, and all that. And, yeah. you know, and I got a fire going and they're just sitting there looking at me and looking at me while going. And I said, dude, you're like a fire god, man. You know, and I said, well, <laughs> you know, I said, no, not really. But, and then I took them out that night and, and, you know, and in Florida, all the trails are marked with these little orange squares on the trees. I'm not sure how they are over there in Oregon and Washington State. But, you can, you know, when you're in the woods, you can look up and just see those little squares, and you know which way you're going. Well, for some reason, they thought I was a living compass. 
they said, dude, how do you know where you're going, man? You know, we're lost. And, you know, and I, I said, should I tell them or should I let them believe that I'm some Daniel Boone kind of guy? <laughs> no, and I, needless to say, I came clean and I just pointed. I said, see up there, gentlemen, those orange squares? That shows the trail. But the funny part was when we got up into this field, I hit. The, I had the light. I heard something. I hit the light, and there were all these deer out in this field. But all you could see were their eyes glowing. And I and I looked at these guys. And I said, "Freeze!" And I mean, you just seen these guys. They all like stopped right in mid step, and they you know and they saw the the, the the glowing eyes, and they're like, "Jesus, there's like a bunch of Bigfoot out there." And I looked at. Them, I said, "How fast can you guys run?" And they're like, you know, <laughs> crap. And I said, "Relax, guys. It's just deer." And I said, "Oh." Dude, this is like, I thought there was like 20 Bigfoot out there, you know. I said, you know, we couldn't get that lucky if we wanted to, you know. But uh, I just, that got me thinking, you know, about stuff to bring out there. And I went over a little section on, you know, outdoor survival, which, you know, again, I'm going to say I'm not an outdoor survival expert, but I do have a friend that is. And I sat down with him and I went over some stuff that to make sure, you know, you're prepared when you go out there. And, I, you know, I came up with some lists of stuff that to you know, to go. And I also say, you know, if you're doing this for the first time, do not go out and buy all this fancy gear until you know that you really, this is something you enjoy doing. Because I've seen a lot of people get into the ghost hunting thing and they buy all this expensive electronic equipment, go out one night and I'll see a ghost and say, why did I buy all this stuff? I don't know. I'm not going to do this again. So, you know, I stress, <laughs> you know, make sure it's Short something you enjoy family. doing. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went out looking for Bigfoot, and I didn't find him the other day, so I proved he doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I also say that in my book, too. I said, that it's, a 90, it's, you know, it's a 99% chance you're not going to see anything, but there's that 1% chance, and you're not going to get it unless you get out there and go look. You know, So, you know, like I said, you're dealing with a smart animal, and the most of you are going to hope to you know, get out there and look and just hope to God that it makes a mistake and – you know, comes walking across a road or, you know, goes through a trash can or just happens to just come out of, you know, is out hunting looking for something and you just happen to walk over there and you're, you know, upwind from it so it doesn't smell you. But, you know, you're not going get, to you know, get that experience unless you get out there and go look. That's exactly right. Well, Robert, I, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. Roger, Robert Lepp. Leg, excuse me, Legend Tripper Robinson has been our <laughs> guest today here on Monster X Radio, and that's a mouthful. We appreciate you joining <laughs> us, and we look forward to having you back on the show again in the future. Let us know what you're up to. Well, again, thank you for having me on. I had a great time. I had some awesome questions and stuff. I really had a good time on it. All right. Well, thank you again, and for my Good friend, co-host Shane Hardcore Corson. This is Gunnar Monson. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode of Monster X Radio. Until then, uh, go to www. Squatch Coffee and get you some, and uh, enjoy um, some past episodes. You can go to Blog Talk and look up, look up our channel, and uh, all our our archives of past shows are there. So, again, until next week, keep it squatchy. <laughs>